Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. So I am recording this episode right now from my sailboat, which is my summer office on the days that I work. And you may be hearing a handful of little ambient noises like seagulls, um, maybe some buoys and uh, bumpers that my boat is resting up against. Um, so that's what some of that noise is. And occasionally other people walking or sailing by on the dock. But this is currently my go-to spot for a little bit of focused work and also a little bit of space and has been really, really helpful. I spoke about it in my last podcast episode in terms of me being able to have a predictable time when I can work, I can focus, I can take care of myself so I can better take care of my children. And today's topic is one of my favorite topics when it comes to parenting and something that was a huge turning point for me as a parent in understanding some of the dynamics at play with my children, in particular, my firstborn child. So the topic is parenting dominant alpha children. Um, the term alpha child or alpha children was coined by my favorite, Dr. Gordon Neufeld. And these children are pretty challenging to parent, to teach, to lead when they're in this alpha dominant mode. And it's really hard for parents to navigate when they have a child who has this type of temperament. And today I'm going to help make sense of this temperament where it comes from, and solutions so that you can regain the lead when it comes to parenting your strong-willed, dominant alpha child, and um, hopefully give you some pointers that will help you change this dynamic in your home and help make sense of it for you so you can get out of a position of feeling powerless and constantly frustrated, and like you're having to walk on eggshells constantly around your potentially explosive child. So let's dig in. First, I'd like to kind of help make sense of this term. What am I talking about? What is an alpha child? Um, I have taken countless classes where this topic has been addressed. Um, there's an entire course you can take on alpha children, 
that is uh, available to take through the Newfeld Institute. And I'll put a link to that information in my show notes. So if this is something that is resonating with you, you may want to dig in and take a whole course on it, as I have multiple times. Um, but I'm going to try and make sense of this kind of rapid fire speed. So an alpha, alpha child, what does that child look like? An alpha child is a child who's often described as bossy, a tiny dictator, or maybe a mini litigator. Um, this child is driven to dominate parents, peers, um, and other people who are in caretaking roles of these children. An alpha child wants to be in control at all times, is obsessed with being first, always needs to win, um, who wants to make up all the rules when playing games, um, or wants to break rules to make them suit them and their desires. Alpha children tend to be very picky eaters. They always want foods their way. They reject foods maybe that they liked just a few days ago. Their lists of foods that they like become narrow and narrow and narrower and narrower and narrower until you're left with maybe four foods that they'll tolerate, and then they go and object those as well. Typically not about anything other than alpha. Sometimes picky eaters can be a result of high sensitivity, um, but when we're talking about alpha children, it likely is this kind of power control thing around food and around trying to get you to do what they want when they want it. Um, an alpha child often rejects physical affection unless they initiate it, unless it's on their terms. Um, an alpha child always has to be in the know, always insists on having the last word, um, often can be a backseat driver, um, sometimes exactly literally. Um, I've worked with a uh, parents in my parent coach practice whose uh, very young children literally tell them how to drive, where to drive, when to stop. Um, but I also mean backseat, uh, backseat driver figuratively as well, where they're always telling parents and caregivers what to do and how to do it, even from a very young age. Um, alpha children always want to negotiate everything. They always insist on a reason for every limit or parental decision. Um, Alpha children like to take care of others, including peers, um, almost like a mother hen. Sometimes they're even driven to caretake their parents if a par they perceive their parent as having a hard day or is sad or having a hard time. They're driven to maybe take care of their um, their parent or caregiver. Um, in extreme cases, uh, alpha children may be driven to exploit the weaknesses of others and exhibit bullying behaviors in this way. So if you heard that list of descriptions about alpha children and what they look like, and you thought, gosh, that sounds like my child in many ways, maybe not all the ways, but in many ways, this might be really enlightening and helpful for you today. I'm really excited to be able to provide some insight and some solutions for you. Um, so I want to Address, okay, if you're saying, okay, that's my child, that sounds a lot like my child, um, or maybe a child I know of, and this might be helpful for you in supporting somebody um, who has a child that appears to be alpha. Through my work with parents in my parent coach practice, and also as a parent myself of two of my four children who I would describe as alpha children, I've come to the conclusion that there are typically two types of alphas. Alpha is by default 
and alphas by defense. So an alpha by default, these are kids who basically came out of the womb born to lead. They are confident, they're focused, they're often perfectionists, and often, interestingly enough, I found that they are typically firstborns or singletons, only children. They're always going to be alpha and have alpha qualities to them all the way into adulthood. The good news, society loves alphas. They're our CEOs. They're the principals of our school. They're the founders of nonprofits. There are football coaches. There are movie directors. There are world leaders. So alphas and born leaders and born alphas, they are really, really powerful people that the world needs. On the bad news front for these children who are alpha by default, they're exhausted. They're exhausted. It is exhausting to be an alpha because so much is expected of these fearless leaders. And they are also challenging to lead. That's the other bad news. It's really challenging to out alpha an alpha. So that's one of the kind of things that make um, this type of temperament challenging. But again, if a child is born an alpha, they're always going to be an alpha. That's part of who they are. So helping uh, me make sense of this child that you have and help you be that child's leader might be really, really helpful in terms of understanding how to parent and guide this type of child. But they're going to do fine in life. But helping uh, a child get to a mode where they don't feel like they have to out alpha their parent, caregivers, teachers, and peers that are the same age or even a little bit older than them is going to be really important in terms of helping this child reach their potential. Um, the other type of alpha is what I call alpha by defense. And these are children who become alphas as a form of defense. So this can happen anytime and for whatever reason, a child temporarily or over a long period of time loses confidence in their primary caregiver's ability to take care of them. And this can happen for a variety of reasons. Um, for example, if a primary caregiver becomes sick um, or is under extreme stress and does not um, appear emotionally able to care for their child, um, Parents who are divorcing, who are going through a huge stressful time in their lives, um, who maybe have experienced, a um, children who've maybe experienced the death of a very close attachment may become alpha. These children who are alpha by defense um, may be so because of high sensitivity and um, being maybe a so-called orchid child, which I uh, covered in a previous episode of my podcast. Um, and Sometimes children can get into this alpha by default by defense mode because of certain parenting practices, which are inadvertently putting children in the lead. And that's a, a big piece of the puzzle here that might really help you if you're trying to figure out what you can do if your child in everyday life or when they're with their peers um, is not always driven to be in the lead. Maybe some of those descriptors I gave you about an alpha child apply to your child, but you don't see them always driven to be in this leader position. They're sometimes able to be followers, but not when it comes to following you as their parent, as their primary caregivers. So if they get into this mode some of the time, 
or in particular, if they get into this mode with you as parents, then uh, it will be really helpful for you to understand what's going on here and maybe some things you're doing that are encouraging this alpha by defense mode your child is stuck in to try and reverse it and get them out of that mode. So how did we get here? I, I've got to tell you that the parent, uh, the parents that I work with in my coaching practice, many of them are dealing with this dynamic in their household. Many of them feel like they basically are following their child's lead, that they have to negotiate everything, that their child is calling the shots and they're basically just fulfilling their child's demands and that they have to, again, walk on eggshells um, for fear of setting off this very, very powerful child who may be only three or four or five years old. And of course, they could be older as well, but they're sitting there marveling and wondering, what can I do? My child's four, and they're completely in control at my home. So how did we get here? Um, this generation of parents is, by and large, in many cases, making shifts away from their parenting legacies. They're rejecting past generations' uh, parenting style and practices, um, which oftentimes looks like ruling by fear fear-based parenting. This was, I'd say, by and large, how maybe our grandparents' generation was raised, but in some cases, how we were raised by our parents, um, where basically you feared your parent, therefore you kind of came in line with them, but you didn't feel particularly close, perhaps, to this child, to this parent that you were scared of. And so this generation of parents um, don't want to raise their children to be scared of them and fearful of them. Um, and so sometimes this can be part of the root cause. The shift following this fear-based style of parenting was the more behaviorist, behaviorist version of rewards and punishments. Um, this is, in a lot of cases, how our parents were raised, and in a lot of cases, how we were raised. Um, Many of us today are still stuck in this mentality, this idea that the way to raise children is to do so through coercion, through the use of rewards, punishments, um, consequences, things that sound like, okay, when there's a bad behavior, I need to dole out some type of a, uh, a punishment, or we sometimes call those um, consequences when they're really punishments, or some type of a bribe or reward to get the kind of behaviors you want to see. This is maybe a kinder, gentler version um, of uh, the fear-based uh, mentality, but also can be highly problematic. And I covered that a lot in um, episode three of my podcast, Discipline with Dignity. So if you want to hear more about this, um, please go there for that resource. Um, so then in this, uh, in this generation of parenting, Many people have been embraced what has been called positive discipline, which, in my opinion, is a move definitely in the right direction, away from rewards and punishments and consequences that are used as punishments, and towards validating feelings and emotions and emotion coaching and connecting with our children and um, building a strong relationship foundation and attachment. This Parenting philosophy, though, however, ha can be problematic with certain kids when it blurs the lines in terms of who's in charge. And that's what we're talking about here. So 
Can positive discipline work fantastically for many children? Absolutely. But then you have children who are um, very alpha in their nature, either by default or by defense. And these times, this positive discipline style can backfire. And that is um, kind of surprising when I um, bring that to some parents' attention. Um, so because this is kind of blurred lines, what I mean is that it sometimes communicates to children that um, things are all equal, that parents and um, children are kind of on an equal playing field, um, field. And is it important to value children's opinions, their emotions, their viewpoints? Of course. But when they start to believe that they have power and they get to drive all the decisions especially where it comes to their caretaking, you're going to get into trouble with children and it's going to get out of control real quick. And you'll know if you're in that position right now and I'm getting to solutions, I promise. Um, we don't want to be putting too much power in the hands of our children who should be able to feel like they can rest in our care as opposed to have to work so hard in their caretaking. Um, the other problem with positive discipline is it puts a lot of emphasis on teaching children self-regulation, which is honestly something that cannot truly be taught. Um, it is born and developed out of maturation. And the maturation process, once mixed feelings and the integrative functioning has kicked in, um, we, when we have young children, are our child's regulator until they get to a level of maturity where they can have the capacity to regulate their own emotions. So we have to get there first. Kids have to mature into that stage, and that happens at a variety of ages, uh, depending upon your child's temperament. The last reason why children, um, well, the last reason I'm going to cover um, why children sometimes get into this alpha mode is because parents sometimes have a really hard time seeing their child unhappy. It's very difficult. Some parents feel like it's their role to make sure their children are happy, that that is their goal, to, to keep their kids happy. And that's impossible, nor should it be our goal, because there's a whole range of emotions out there. Happiness is great, and we certainly want to create an environment that is conducive to our children feeling happy at times, but there's going to be times they're going to feel unhappy, sad, frustrated. And if we try to avoid our child's sadness, their upset, their tantrums, their big expressions of emotion, they're not going to have an opportunity to fully develop as emotional um, human beings who have the capacity to manage their emotions um, and handle difficult emotions, not just the happy good, comfortable feelings. So it's important that we not get in the way of our children's ability to develop um, the capacity to handle a wide range of emotions um, and, uh, and not make it so that children don't uh, miss opportunity to grow and learn from difficult times and opportunities. Um, so misconceptions about alpha children, sometimes uh, the outside world can look at these children and admire that they seem to have independence and maturity beyond their years. Um, they seem to be very strong, very confident beside that beyond their years. And in a culture that's really, really highly values independence, many people can look at these alpha children and think that this is something um, to strive for and work towards. And yes, independence is important. 
But when it's independence that is not developmentally normal or appropriate, like a four-year-old um, trying to tell their parents and caregivers what to do all the time, this is, this is an area where you need to explore further in terms of, is this child truly independent or are they truly alpha? <laughs> and sometimes that can be a little confusing. Um, so it's important to look at these children who are very alpha and really kind of pick apart, not pick the child apart, but but explore what this really is. Is it true true independence that's blossoming because a child has reach, reached a stage of development and they have this I can do it mentality? Or are they doing it because they are pushing away others who whose role it is to take care of? Um, these children who are... Uh, appear mature beyond their years, they are never at rest. They're always in a state and of heightened alarm to a certain extent. They're not able to kind of rest in their parents and caregivers' care and just play and grow and develop. They're too busy trying to be in charge in a way that is not developmentally um, healthy and normal for them. Um, another misconception about alpha children is that they don't have a strong attachment to their caregivers, their parents. Sometimes this can be the case, but many times, very commonly, alpha children can be very, very attached to their caregivers, but in the wrong orientation. In their perception, they're the leader and their parent is the one that is the dependent. So that's not to say that alpha children and children who are very, very um, driven to be in charge and tell their parents and caregivers what to do all the time feel unloved or feel like they don't have a strong attachment. The problem is that it's in the wrong orientation with a child perceiving that they are in charge or truly being in charge and their child following their child's um, their lead. So um, parenting practices that can really continue to encourage kids to be alpha is any type of discipline technique that uses the relationship uh, against them, making it unsafe for the child to depend upon their parents. Things like timeouts, yelling, threats, feigned abandonment. I'm going to leave you here if you don't come in right now. Um, one, two, three kinds of threats. And uh, also things that are like removals of privileges and consequences um, where children feel like it's not uh, safe to care about things. And uh, when, when we start uh, dangling carrots to bribe children or threatening our children, we're going to take away something, a toy or privilege, we're basically shining a huge spotlight on the fact that we do not have any control. We do not have any power. So we have to go and find something that does have power and control over our children and hold that over them and manipulate them with that to try and get them to do what we want them to do or stop doing something we don't want them to do. So you're basically highlighting your weakness and lack of power when you do this. So when you have an alpha child, you really need to take a look at your discipline practices and recognize things that you're doing. They're actually making your child become even more alpha, even more dominant. Other things that can um, cause a child to be stuck in this alpha mode is anything that communicates to your child that they're too much to handle, that you don't know what to do with them, that you need their help, um, that 
that that that you don't know what to do. So you need to go um, buy all these uh, parenting books. You need to see a therapist. You need to hire a parent coach. You need to take parenting classes. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but your child should not know this. All of us need support. All of us need guidance and help if we're not um, feeling like we know what to do with our children. But it's very important that your child not be let in on this. If we're scrambling and feel lost at sea, absolutely there's work to be done and there is support out there. That's what I do as my work as a parent coach. Um, I myself has sought, have sought the support of parent coaches when I felt lost. Parenting your own children is confusing and a lot can get in the way of that. So seeking help, advice, support, reading the books, taking the parenting classes is fantastic, but your child does not need to know this. That's why I always often open with my uh, 3D parent opening saying that this is not for children's ears. Your parent, your child does not need to know that you're listening to a parenting podcast um, to support you in your parenting journey. Your child needs to believe that you've got this. Your child is not too much to handle and you know what to do. Another thing that can really cause a child to be very alpha is uh putting your child in charge of your emotions. And this can happen when uh, you lose control, when you let your emotions get the best of you and you yell, you lash out at your child, you belittle things. You say things like, you're hurting my feelings or you made me sad when. I understand that parents do this with the best of intent often. I used to do this in my early years of parenting, thinking that I was helping my child become more empathetic and understand the effects of their behaviors and how they were hurting me, how they were making me sad, how they were hurting my feelings, not recognizing that I was communicating that they had a tremendous power over me and also that they were responsible for my feelings and emotions, which is never a healthy thing for a child to believe. You also can sometimes put a child in this alpha mode when you reveal your needs or weaknesses to your child. When your child perceives you to be really stressed, running an empty, very weak, um, and uh, sick. Now, granted, I understand that some of these things are unavoidable, and some of these things just are. Um, people get sick. People get stressed. People... Um, are uh, going through periods of depression and anxiety and mental illness. And you might see some of these behaviors in your child um, develop or maybe get heightened when something like this is happening um, with their, when their primary parents or caregivers. So it's, it's, it's understanding this. It's important to know that when children can be shielded from some of these things, they should be. And when some of these things are ongoing or impossible to shield your child from, that you communicate, yes, I'm really sad right now. Um, I'm dealing with the loss of my loved one, or um, I'm going through a hard time right now. I'm sick and, um, and I am dealing with what this means for me and my family. But on the other side of that, you need to ensure your child that, but I'm still your mom. I'm still your dad. I'm still your, um, your caregiver, and I can take care of you. Even though I'm going through a hard time right now, 
I'm still here and equipped to help take care of it to take care of you. I'm still your mom and I'm still able to um, provide for you. You don't need to worry about it and then get the help and support you need, particularly in these times when there's so much going on that may be overwhelming for you where your child may be picking up on this and maybe going into an alpha mode. Um, Oftentimes, uh, a child might get into this mode because the attachment is not deep enough. It might be uh, too insecure or superficial. And so a child feels confused. They don't feel this, uh, the pull of this deep connection from their parent or caregiver, primary caregivers. And so they don't naturally feel compelled to follow our lead. So these children sometimes if they're not deeply attached or insecurely attached, they may seek to find new attachments um, with their peers often. Um, if they're a little bit older, um, sometimes uh, through um, screens, they can, can become attached to screens um, instead of their parents. Um, and this can be deeply problematic when a child is more deeply attached to something other than the parents and caregivers. And I went into um, more about how to develop a deep attachment with your child in episode, uh, episode three of my podcast, Cultivating a Deep Connection with Your Child. So I give you a lot of ideas in terms of how to deepen and strengthen attachment with your child, um, no matter what their age is. Um, it's never too late to strengthen and deepen an attachment with your child. So I want to encourage you to take a look at that if you feel like maybe the connection with your child is in play with why they are presenting so alpha, so dominant. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. All right. This is what you've been waiting for, I know. How do you regain the lead in the parent-child relationship? How do you get back in charge? How do you get back and resume, or maybe for the first time, if you've never felt like you've been in the lead, how do you resume your rightful place as the alpha of your children, of the parent who is the nurturing, caring, providing nurturer? of your children, the nurturing alpha, as I often call it with my parent coach clients, and have your child take their natural role, which is to be in the dependent mode. I'm gonna get into that more now. Um, Pam Leo, uh, who wrote the book Connection Parenting, she has this quote, which I often use, I think I've used it a few times already on my podcast, but it bears um, repeating. She says, the level of cooperation parents get from their children is usually equal to the level of connection children feel with their parents. That is a really, really big concept to embrace. So if your child is not cooperating a lot of the times, it may have to do with that connection. So you need to get in the lead with this relationship with your child. Work the attachment. I've given you lots of ideas how to do that in episode three. But the really important piece of this is that it is our job to keep our kids connected to us, not their job to stay connected. 
this is not something that they should be cognizant of and constantly thinking and working for having their attachment needs met. It should be a given. It should be unconditional, something that we always provide and that we provide more than is asked for and that we try to get there first in terms of meeting their attachment needs. So um, making sure that that is a focus of your parenting, that relationship, deepening and strengthening that bond and connection. The next thing that you need to do is this is so that was uh, number one, get in the lead with your uh, with a relationship, get back in the lead with a relationship. Um, step two, discontinue parenting practices that either use the relationship against your child, the timeouts, the one, two, threes, the feigned abandonment. Take advantage of your child's smallness by intimidating them, like yelling or getting in their face or grabbing them with too much force, and of course, any form of um, physical punishment and coercion. Rewards, punishments, consequences, threats, and instead use alternate discipline practices that are uh, attachment and relationship preserving. And there's a lot about that in episode four, discipline with dignity. So if you want to know, okay, what are the alternatives? You just took away all the things I use. Please go to episode four, discipline with dignity to hear all kinds of ideas on how you can um, rethink discipline with your children that does not use all these things that is contributing likely to your child's alpha dominant behaviors. The next uh, tip, tip three, welcome your children into your presence, no matter what version of them is there in the moment. Even the loud, the angry, the frustrated tantruming, that child is still welcome in your presence. Keep in mind that when a child is acting out, they're expressing the frustration they feel inside. They're dealing with something that's really hard. And we have to make this paradigm shift as parents away from my child is giving me a hard time to my child is having a hard time. So work on building empathy and compassion and patience when it comes to your children, when they are being highly frustrating and loud and noisy. Make space for that. It's important that your children believe fullheartedly that they have an invitation to be in your presence, no matter what version of them is there. Um, Tip four, set limits and hold your no. A child is highly alpha. It is not a good idea to set a no, have them react to it, and then change your mind. That is reinforcing this control that they have right now. If your child seems to be heading towards a meltdown, a tantrum, it's okay to say, go ahead and have your tantrum to make it your idea. I know it's really hard for you to hear no right now. It's okay for you to be upset about it. It's okay for you to cry or or get really frustrated. It's not going to change my answer, but I understand this is hard for you. So go ahead, go ahead. And, and it's okay to be frustrated and to share that with me. I'm here to help you stay present to your child and don't try to talk them out of expressing their anger, their frustration. When you get to the point where your child's anger and frustration is turning the corner and looking like sadness and like they're accepting the limit you've set and maybe some tears ideally begin to fall, you're there to comfort and to connect with them. Um, Dr. Newfeld calls this being the agent of futility and the angel of comfort. Again, I cover this in a lot of detail in episode four of my podcast. Um, Tip number five. 
When children are determined to have the last word, when they're going back and forth and back and forth with you and trying to get you to change your mind, um, it's impossible to reason with a child who's just driven to have the last word. So take the power away from it and give them permission. I could see you need to have the last word, so go ahead and have it. This takes away the power. You've basically said, I'm going to give you permission right now to have the last words. And it no longer has the same power that a child is trying to have by always having to get there and put in the last, last little dig, last little um, comment. So give them the permission for it. That right away will do a lot in terms of ch changing that dynamic. Tip six, stop focusing on behavior as something to fix and change. Instead, look at that behavior as communication. Look for the root causes of behavior and address those instead. I go into a lot of detail about that concept in episode two, what is the 3D parent approach, but that is also a piece of this, um, of making sense of this uh, dynamic. So um, think about that. Stop trying to control the child's behavior, instead address the underlying needs. Tip seven, stop asking so many questions. Do you want to eat uh, this for breakfast or this for dinner uh, for breakfast? Do you want to go to the park or do you want to go to the beach? Do you want to play this game or do you want to play this game? Do you want to wear this or do you want to wear this? A lot of us get into this mode of asking lots of questions and offering lots of choices. This is fine and works for many children. When you have a very alpha child, you want to not ask so many questions. You just want to provide or just say, oh, here's what's for breakfast today. Today, we're going to go to the park. Today, we're going to do this activity. You just lead. You just provide. You just present with, here's what's happening. I understand, and I have experienced personally, that when you have a child that's super alpha, that they may... Um, not like that. They may be used to having a say or being asked a question. That's okay. That's a place with which you should hold your stance and be that agent fertility. I know you didn't want to go um, visit the beach today, but that's what we're doing. And then help them face that. This is going to take patience and time for them to understand that you're changing the dynamic here. And that's going to be a big futility for them to face. So your child may be having more outbursts as you're trying to change this dynamic in your home. That's to be expected, but you have to go through this process. The only way to get to the other side is to go through this. Um, when it comes to your child uh, following your directions, doing what you need them to do, get out of the habit of parenting cold and instead make sure that you're connecting and turning on that relationship, that attachment energy before you're trying to lead them or direct them. Again, I cover that in a lot of detail in episode three of uh, my podcast. So go there for more detail on that. Actually, I take that back. I cover that in episode four, Discipline with Dignity, more about um, connect before direct, or sometimes it's called collect before direct. So. Um, but if your child is always driven to resist, as I started with this section, that, um, that quote by Pam Leo, kids are driven naturally. They want to follow those to whom they feel connected and attached to in the right orientation in any given moment. So use your relationship to turn on that desire to want to follow. Um, be proactive. Uh, this is now, uh, we're on tip number nine. Be proactive versus reactionary when it comes to meeting your child's needs. This means you want to meet their needs before they're 
asked for. Um, you're going there and you are very present to your child. Um, you're intentional with your parenting versus getting into this parenting by demand, which puts the kid in the driver's seat. So when your child, you know, is usually hungry at a certain time, go ahead, make the meal and say, oh, here it is. Before they have a chance to say, I'm hungry and I want to be fed this thing. So it's important that you are providing for children before they get uh, dis- before they become demanding that you're anticipating their needs as much as possible so that you can go ahead and get there first. You get there ahead of time. That can be really, really powerful in how you think about your child. Um, in more extreme cases, so now we're moving on to tip number 10. In more extreme cases of alpha in kids, you want to decrease separation wherever is possible. So this will give you more opportunities to be in the lead and will decrease the competition for your child's um, attachment. So uh, sometimes this alpha energy can be really hard to turn around. So you wanna figure out ways in which you can be more present and be able to put more of this into practice. So decrease separation wherever possible. Tip number 11, Provide appropriate outlets for your child's alpha energy. So play is an incredibly powerful place in which to do this. Play games with your child where you give them permission to be in the alpha role. Um, Okay, let's go ahead and play a game. Um, Let's pretend I'm the baby and you're the mommy. That'll be really fun. It's a game. It's in the context of play. You've given permission. At the end of this play time, we're gonna go back and resume our regular roles. So you've given permission for them to play at being very alpha. On the flip side, play games where your child is having to follow your lead, where they are um, following your directions and you're clearly the alpha and they're clearly in the dependent mode. Um, This might be things like Simon Says. Um, These might be things, a game I played a lot with my kids when they were young to kind of like get them in a very receptive mode in this way was we'd pretend that um, my kids were puppies and I was the dog trainer and I would treat that, I would teach them tricks and we'd pretend to go to a dog show and perform these tricks. But really what I was doing was basically giving commands and they were following them. They were practicing following my lead and it was play. So it didn't feel like a power struggle. We had an agreement here, this is play, but you're also working that muscle. Um, Similarly, you could do the same thing with robots, giving robot commands and um, you're the the robot um, programmer um, or playing games like follow the leader and things of that nature. Tip 12, find relationships that challenge your child's alpha, where they are around um, older cousins, older playmates and neighbors who uh, are more likely to be able to take that more dominant role. And your child is likely to be challenged in their drive to be in charge all the time. And more like just by default, they have to be a little bit more in the dependent mode. Granted, right now we're still in the middle of a pandemic and that might not be as easy to put into place immediately, but tuck that array when you are able to be in a place where you can interact with um, family members, uh, neighbors, and friends, and whatnot, and seek out opportunities for your child to be with kids um, that are a little bit older who will take on that more natural dominant role, and your child will have to practice being, again, the more uh, 
dependent one. Um, also, on the flip side, find opportunities for your child to be in the natural alpha role. So um, being kind of like the helper or caretaker of younger children. Same thing could work with pets when they could take this alpha energy and you could channel it in a way that is appropriate where they can help caretake younger children, um, pets, other um, creatures. You could take this energy and put it in a direction that is healthy, that is um, in the right orientation. Tip 13, um, find opportunities for you to take the lead where your child is maybe uh, disoriented, out of their comfort zone. Children who are very alpha typically have a hard time leaving their homes. They feel like kings and queens of their castle there. So often, oftentimes, um, they don't like leaving the home. They may put up quite a battle even if you're offering something really great and fun. So this is worth pushing through and finding a way to get your child to you know, accept that this is what we're doing today. Once you get there, um, they're gonna be naturally more oriented towards following your lead because they don't know where to go. They don't know where things are. They need to follow your lead. They don't know where you're going next. They don't, they're in unfamiliar surroundings. So get them out of their kingdoms, boot them out, and then they're gonna be more inclined to follow you. Tip 14, find activities that naturally put you, the parent, the caregivers, in the leadership role. Things that your children don't already know how to do, where they're going to have to kind of learn from you. Things like cooking together, um, doing, teaching them how to do a certain type of craft, um, building a complicated model or puzzle or Lego together, teaching them a new skill like riding a bike or, you know, water skiing or downhill skiing in the winter times. Um, ideally something that is both appealing to the parent and child where the child's already motivated to learn a new skill, but where they will um, by default be following and learning from you in that dependent mode. You're teaching them how to knit. They don't know how to knit already. They can't say, I know how to do this. I can do it myself. If they're actually driven to want to learn how to knit, they're going to naturally want to follow you and be in that dependent learning mode. Tip 15. This is one that can be somewhat controversial when I present it to my parent coach clients. Here it is. You want to encourage dependence in your children wherever possible. If your child is fully capable of dressing themselves in the morning, but they suddenly are needing to be dressed for whatever reason, this is a place where it's worth taking advantage of the fact that they are in a dependent mode and asking for caretaking and to meet that need. Even better yet is to be in the lead. If this is something that becomes a battle every day, you know how to get your clothes on, get your clothes on, and you're, you're getting all these power struggles. You're trying to you know get your child to do what you know they're capable of, and they're not doing things for themselves. It may be because they're basically asking to be nurtured care and taken care of. And this is a place where you could really get a lot of momentum going in terms of your nurturing alpha position with your child is to take on a caretaking role. I often tell this story when I present this idea to uh, my parent coach clients and they're looking at me sideways being like, what, my, my child, you're asking me to baby my child in a way that sounds very kind of like that's, that's a huge negative. Um, this is not about meeting your child's demands. This is more about 
meeting your child's need to be nurtured and you meeting that need in the proper orientation. The story I tell is about my uh, firstborn daughter when she was eight years old and I had just recently given birth to my uh, thirdborn child. My daughter, um, uh, my firstborn daughter is 100% uh, alpha and she's alpha by 100% um, default. She was very much born to be a leader. And so parenting her has always been challenging. However, in my early days, I certainly did a lot of things that made it very difficult for me to be her alpha. So staying one step ahead and being in her lead was something that I had to learn through my studies, through my understanding of this dynamic. So when my uh, back to when my daughter was eight years old um, and I was getting ready for school in the morning, she suddenly became completely incapable of getting herself dressed. And this was infuriating to me. And her five-year-old brother could do this. And I had a new baby to take care of. And yet I was like, every day going in and begrudgingly, fine, I'll get your clothes on. And then I had this complete paradigm shift and it came following um, a class I took on this very topic. And I said, okay, I'll try this out. Let's see what happens. And instead of begrudgingly meeting my daughter's demands or just doing so because I wanted to rush the process, I started coming to her in the morning and with a, a very, very generous heart and saying, you just want me to get you dressed right now. You want me to take care of you. I'm going to go ahead and do that. I love spending this time with you and taking care of you in this way. And it became a very sweet bonding moment for this very, very large and in charge uh, personality child to have me take care of her in that way for this period of time. This lasted, I'd say, approximately maybe three-ish months. Here's the thing that is so incredible. As I was kind of meeting this need to for her to feel kind of taken care of, obviously she was going through a transition, even at eight years old, with a new baby entering the family. Um, but I was also getting a chance to kind of reassure her of the fact that, like, she's still my baby. I'm still here to take care of her. And what I saw happen, when parents look at, listen to the story and they say, like, well, I don't want to baby my kid. I want my kid to be independent. Isn't this going to be stopping them becoming independent and learning to do something for themselves? Here's what I can tell you, and I've heard it from more than my own experiences. I've seen it and heard it from my own, from my client's experiences as well. What I saw happening with my child is I started meeting this need generously and providing before she had a chance to ask for it. She started blossoming in so many other areas of her life. Her maturation just took off. She suddenly started becoming incredibly independent in ways that were not coming from an alpha energy, but coming from this can do, I want to do, I want to do these things for myself. She started suddenly becoming much more neat and orderly. She started doing her homework much more um, independently. She started, uh, you know, taking on more mature behaviors that were developing within her during this period of time. So while I was kind of doing something that was uh, maybe more developmentally younger, I was meeting a very essential need and I was seeing independence blossom in my daughter in other places. So think about ways in which um, you can... And, your child is willing to be in the dependent mode and you can willingly take on and be very generous with your caretaking, even if it's something you know your child can do from them for themselves. And I'm talking about specifically alpha children, very dominant children who do not 
easily fall into this mode. This is who I'm specifically suggesting this with. A child who normally is the one calling the shots and demanding that if they're willing to be in a dependent mode, that is a great opportunity for you to really, really strengthen your position in the relationship. Tip 16, when your child is hurt, when your child is not feeling well or sick, when they are naturally in kind of a weakened state, they're less likely to have as much of this alpha energy. They are weakened somehow. This is a place also where you can go into overdrive in terms of your caretaking. Your child's not going to be as driven to be calling the shots and engaging in power struggles with you. So you on the flip side, go into overdrive in your caretaking. Take advantage of um, being in that um, nurturing alpha mode that you're providing for. Being in the alpha mode is not just about giving the no's, setting the limits, and um, being very firm in your discipline. That is certainly a part of it. But the other part of it is you're also very much providing the good stuff the nurturing, their caretaking, that helps your child feel loved, connected, and deeply attached to you. When it comes to, um, this is the final tip, number 17. That's a lot of tips, but this is a big topic. Tip number 17. When it comes to your child's uh, attachment needs specific to things like affection, it's important that you are providing for your child before they're saying, I want a hug, I want a kiss, come snuggle me, come sit next to me. That you are anticipating that they're open to that type of closeness, affection, and you're providing before they even have that drive within themselves to ask for it. Or if you don't get there first, you don't offer before, if they do say, I want a hug, you give more than it's been asked for. That's like, if they ask for a hug, you go, oh my gosh, I'll give you a hug and I'm not going to ever let go and I'm going to cover with you kisses and I'm going to give you a big snuggle. You give more than what they asked for. That also can help get back in the lead when it comes to things of that nature, that connection that comes from that close connection and proximity. Um, and now in today's world, a lot of parents are really trying to teach their kids about consent, particularly when it comes to physical contact and closeness. Understand that the parent-child relationship already implies consent. You can teach those lessons and you very much should teach those lessons to your children when it comes to contact and closeness um, with other people. Teaching your child to ask for a hug post-pandemic when we can start hugging again. I just, I hate even talking about this, knowing that our children are just so desperate for physical contact and closeness with others. But teaching your child, can I give you a hug? And, and also advocating for your child. And if an adult is basically saying like, come give me a hug, um, saying like, um, are you ready for a hug? Would you like a hug? Um, asking your child or modeling for that person how you can um, ask for consent and you very much should ask for consent. But when it comes to the parent-child relationship, consent is implied. That's a different type of connection and relationship that started the second you became that child's parent. And therefore, that's not a place where this asking for um, permission really is um, a place that I advise you to go. There's always exception to the rules. There's always um, 
places where this does not apply. If a parent, if a child has come home via adoption or fostering, um, you need to build a level of trust. And absolutely, you'll be starting in a place of asking for consent. But once you get to the place where there is a deep um, connection and attachment that is formed, you'll move beyond that. Um, if you have a child that has significant sensory boundaries that are needed for them, this might also be a place where there may be exception to the rule. But by and large, um, providing contact, closeness, affection, providing other forms of nurturing, food, um, just saying like, I thought, I know this is your favorite meal and I made it for dinner. Instead of saying, what do you want for dinner tonight? Um, I, I know you love chocolate chip cookies. Here they are. That's all part of being a nurturing alpha and getting back in the lead with your child and resuming your your rightful place as their their um their caretaker um being that so-called nurturing alpha for your child i hope this has helped and um as i said i kind of mentioned a bunch of other episodes that might be really relevant that it did not go into as much detail specific to this topic so i encourage you to check those out thanks so much for joining today Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.